Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theatre Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. Today we're joined by Babe Williams, Clara Johnson, Susan Hunsecker, all rolled into one person in real life, Kelly O'Hara. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you very much. Interesting um, group of of women that you've played. Uh, Clara Johnson and Babe Williams, certainly very different. Susan Hunsecker, different. All out of the 1950s, though, (laughs) which is strange. Period piece. You kind of specialize in 50s. Well, I didn't know that I did, (laughs) but apparently I do. Um, But they are very, very different people, all of them, which has been a, a, a joy, a joy to be able to play. So, um, you know, we have a, a girl who is handicapped uh, somewhere in, in her mind, somewhere in her teens. We have a woman who is somewhere around 30 trying to prove herself. And then we have another woman who is around 21, 22 and very sheltered. So, um, so it's been a, a great joy to be able to play all three of those things. Well, there's been a lot of comment. There was a lot of comment before Pajama Game began because you were looked at solely as an ingenue. And... A lot of people commented about, okay, can she move into a real solid female lead grown-up role? Was that was that something you were conscious of as you were going into that show? Absolutely. It was also my question. Um, I feel like a grown-up woman with lots of strong uh, things to say and to do. Um, but, however, you you do get used to the, the, the things you play, and you also are put on a certain shelf. And that was, that was where I was sitting, was in the ingenue land. Um, I really, really wanted to, for other people and for mostly myself, uh, show that side of myself, the stronger woman. Plus, I won't be an ingenue, the age of an ingenue forever, so I need to start growing into other roles, and this was the perfect way for me to do it, I thought. It was a role that I felt like I could play, and as she was a strong woman, Babe Williams, so um, I, I did it, and hopefully it's worked out. What did you have to do to convince Kathleen that you were the right person, <laughs> Kathleen Marshall, Kathleen Marshall, the right person to do it? Yes. Um, she, from the minute I walked in, I think that she saw me as a Maybe what you said, a period, uh, an actress. I sang the music in a certain way because I grew up on all of all of those those old uh, movie musicals and songs and Doris Day and and um, that's the way I heard this, the the music in my head. And so from that standpoint, I th- I think they thought musically it was a fit. Uh, secondly, uh, there's a I've been playing these these women from the fifth the fifties. Uh, the the way I wear the costumes, the way I look, I think it went into it. And um, I think the challenge was, could I act it? Uh, and so that, that I'm sure that that was a thought in her head. And we went into it, and um, I made my own ideas about it and tried to make my mark in my own way. It's not as brassy as I think you've seen before for Babe Williams, and I'm okay with that. I actually wanted to do, give her a little bit more uh, vulnerability, a little more heart. And that's what we've come up with. Well, Babe Williams, for those not familiar with the pajama game uh, story, is the grievance committee, basically a grievance committee of one at the uh, Sleep Tight Pajama Factory. And, and there's a, a work slowdown that she is uh, kind of marshalling forward and comes into conflict with Sid Sorokin, who is played by Harry Connick Jr. He's the, he's the, the boss. That's right. And how, how did you see the role? I, I know you've seen the Doris Day movie, but you weren't even born when the original Broadway version played. So how, how did you interpret Babe Williams for yourself? Uh, to play the part. Well, I will say that, um, of course, a lot of people can say, oh, we did it when I was in high school and I played Poopsie, or uh, uh-huh. I did it. Well, they actually did it when I was in college, and I didn't get cast. Uh, 
But I didn't even go in for Babe because at that time I was an opera major doing all sorts of coloratura opera, uh, playing ingenues in some musicals. But there especially I was um, put into one category. And so I never even considered myself a Babe. And I looked at the part as this brassy redhead, uh, larger than life, uh, loud, um, just strong, and and then I thought. Then I did see the movie. I saw the Doris Day film. I didn't. It wasn't my favorite Doris Day film. I mean, I love Doris Day films, and that was uh, one of my least favorite of her hers. Um, but I said, if Doris Day can do it, I can do this. I can do this. I, there isn't a, a a more sensitive kind of sappy lady than, than Doris Day. And and if I could come in here and and try to even be stronger than that, I may just maybe make a new version of Babe Williams. So I had seen it in college and never thought I could do it. It came around here and I'm in a different place in my life and I thought I could. Well, when you auditioned for Kathleen Marshall, the director mm-hmm. choreographer, Harry Connick was always part, already part of the project. He'd already been cast as the lead, so they were looking for someone to play opposite him. Was there any consideration how you would play your role, both physically but also uh, emotionally and, and artistically against Harry, making his Broadway debut, by the way? I don't. Yes, of course. I don't know what went into their process for uh-huh. um, for hiring someone to match Harry, uh, but I do know that once I was involved, once I had auditioned once or twice, uh, the second time with him, he was there. We read together. Uh, the third time, we actually just had a meeting, sitting across the table from one another, um, and she she said that it was a chemistry meeting to see how well we got along, how well we could uh, joke with each other, or if we made each other comfortable. I think that probably had a lot to do with. With it, and it was probably the minute I walked out, it was their decision for him to say, uh, "This is going to be a fit. This is going to be a match." And I think they had to listen to him a lot. And um, for whatever reason, he said yes, and I appreciate that. Well, that must have been kind of scary for you. You knew you were being tested. You knew you they were looking at you because he had the job already. Absolutely. You didn't. So yeah. how did you go into that? What, what was what was your, your, well, your feeling going it, into it? Well, it was a, quite a few uh, nervous emotions. I thought, what will I wear? Should I try <laughs> to be? Should I try to play less sexy? You know, try to because I don't want to be that girl. I don't want to be the girl who goes in and gets the job by the way she looks. Should I try to be a smart aleck? You know, should I? And what kind of guy is he? I didn't know at the time that he was such a smart aleck you know <laughs> um so i said just be yourself just be yourself there's nothing you can do you don't want to go into a role that you feel uh is completely un- unlike yourself in every way you want to have a piece of yourself in every role you do and find it and that's why playing things like clara johnson and the light in the piazza were hard and um sweet smell of success were hard and uh, and this is the i wanted to just show the part of me and so uh, for some reason, we, we matched up. It was great. Did, did you check Harry out beforehand? You, you certainly <laughs> knew, knew his work. But. I knew his work. You know, uh, I have to admit, i am become a huge fan, and I am very... Uh, I think that we have a lot in common in our musical, what we like musically. Um, I, that would be patting myself on the back to say I was anywhere in, in the same league, but, but what he likes is what I like, and what he's done I very much respect. However, I wasn't as familiar with him as some people are. I knew the Harry, when Harry met Sally CD, of course. I didn't really know until I started understanding his, his style and his uh, musicality how much uh, of a fan I am. Well, as you talk about style, it's interesting, even though, as you, you, we've already said, you've played a number of characters from the 50s, the particular musical comedy idiom of the pajama game is actually not something, when we look at your major credits, that, that's on your, your, the, the list of what you've done. 
in terms of getting into that particular stylization, what what was the process? Because there's certainly Light in the Piazza or Dracula or Sweet Smell of Success are, are all different styles. Well, it seems that the style of all of those, the one thing that's true in most of the things I've ever played is uh, darkness. Um, you know, even things like Off-Broadway, uh, My Life with Albertine, so, the, so dark. Um, and Dracula and, and these... And, and if it, it doesn't matter what era it is, I was always kind of the the vulnerable, sad person. And to be honest, that was something that that will get to you after a while. <laughs> and I haven't been asked to do a lot of musical comedy. And as you know, Babe Williams isn't the comedic character in this show. So I didn't even consider this a step into musical comedy for myself. However, I feel a great weight has been lifted just in this moment in my life to be able to play a role, albeit the serious one. The, the fighter in the show, uh, to play a role within those boundaries of of no cynicism, no sarcasm, uh, you know, a love that's going to work. I, I love this idea, and I love f- the way it feels to play it every night, to see the smiling faces on the people in the crowd. So it is a change for me, and but I'm welcoming it. Also, this is a show that certainly has more classic musical comedy dance in it. A lot of your shows have been much more focused on on staging and and the music quality. In terms of of stepping up as a dancer, was that was that a jump for you? Well, I'll tell you what. I um I don't consider myself a dancer, a good dancer at all. I but I um when I was in college, I was majoring in opera, but I insisted that I take every bit of, of dance that a musical theater major would would take. And I did. I took lots of dance. I was a gymnast as a child. And then I went to Summerstock, which is really where I really uh, started to love musical theater. And I did all sorts of musical comedies. What and, were you doing in Summerstock? Because in looking at your professional credits, you don't see that, that right, long of course, list of, of... Well, we did five shows. I did Summerstock for two years, and we did five shows. Where were you? Um, in musical theater of Wichita in Kansas. I'm from Oklahoma, so that was the, the place you went if you were lucky. Um we did. I mean, I did 42nd Street. I did all of the tapping, <laughs> if you can believe it. And, uh, you know, we did things like Where's Charlie and um, State Fair and Meet Me in St. Louis and, you know, all these great these great old musicals where we're all in the background doing doing lots of... Uh, we did The Most Happy Fella, and I remember I, I did a whole dance number. I'm, I'm not going to pretend it was great, but I, there I was doing fan kicks and turns and, um, and with a dance partner, and I loved it. Um, but when, the minute I got here... I think also um, in musicals today, we don't have a lot of musicals with the song and dance man or the song and dance lady a lot. So if you're playing a lead in a musical, you aren't dancing that much anymore. I wish that there were more Gene Kelly type musicals for some of these guys that are so fantastic and some of these girls who can sing, dance, and act. I probably won't get cast, but <laughs> <laughs> but I do enjoy the dance, and I, I love it that Kathleen put me into the into the picnic there. Uh, I mean, I think Baby is already, but put us, give us, gave us a little dance number. I do regret that I'm not in um, Hernando's Hideaway just because it's so much fun. Mm, that's the, the big production number. One of several, but it's, it's the one that kind of stops it's the, the show. It's the showstopper, yeah, yeah. the 11 o'clock where, number. Where Harry Connick just cuts loose on the piano and becomes himself, basically. That's right, and it's just it's one of the high moments of, of that show and of theater altogether, I think. Well, you still do a fair amount of dancing and movement and up on packing crates and down again and all that. So here you are working with one of the most acclaimed choreographers currently working on Broadway, Kathleen Marshall, also right. the director. Did she challenge you? In other words, the, the steps and the moves that she gave you to do, was that a challenge for you to do? Well, I have to give it to her in, in the fact that she had a lot to do in the show, and so there were times when I think her choreography was very in, she, very intended to be 
uh, did, like you have steam heat, and and she had a big job there, and these people have specific moves to make. I think she she allowed Harry and uh, and me to. In, in, in numbers like There Once Was a Man, where we're, we're jumping on crates and things like that, she allowed us to, she gave us a structure, and she definitely gave us mo- movements and different kinds of steps. But then she said, do what feels natural. To Don't look up, don't go up there and look like you're uncomfortable. So she gave us uh, steps, and then we kind of uh, did what felt right with the, the lyrics. And um, in both, the picnic is very specific. She gave us those steps, and that's what makes us look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> but another, in the other one, uh, where we have so much fun every night and there once was a man uh we're we're just really letting it all letting it loose doing what feels natural to the lyrics and and so she allowed us to do that and harry's not really known as a dancer is he no i guess not (laughs) people give him a people have been giving him a lot of attention for his dancing but he's doing a great job he he is indeed yeah well you were speaking a moment ago about lyric line it seems an appropriate moment for us to play something from pajama game with uh the cast album just just coming out now uh, what should we play? Well, you know, I thought maybe uh, there's a chance to hear both uh, Harry and me sing, uh, which is a new number. I reprise Hey There, and this was in the original. His song in the first act is Hey There, and I reprise it in the second act. But then they added a song called If You Win, You Lose that tacks onto that. Um, it's basically when our relationship has fallen apart after it was so so very good. And he comes in towards the end, and we sing uh, a duet version of Hey There. And if you win, you lose. From the brand new cast album of the current roundabout production of The Pajama Game, that's Babe Williams, is played by Kelly O'Hara, and Sid Sorokin, played, of course, by Harry Connick Jr., a combination of Hey There and If You Win, You Lose. If You Win, You Lose, uh, The World Around Us, and uh, The Three of Us, three songs that were not in the original production back in 1954 that were added to this production. Kind of embellishes things, kind of adds to the adds to the whole flavor of it. Yeah, they give us all three something uh, nice to do. Harry has a... Uh, the, the Sid Sorokin character, who, which is played by Harry, didn't really have a song in the second act, besides Hernando's Hideaway, which wasn't really completely uh-huh. his like it is now. So uh, The World Around Us is, is added for him, and then a wonderful song called The Three of Us for Michael McKeon, which is a great Heinz. way for, for Heinz, um, Heinz and Gladys, played by Megan Lawrence, to come together towards the end of the show. So all three were added, and I think they fit very nicely. And that Hey There, the reprise, was almost cut from the show, the original, back in 1954, and Janice Payne went to George Abbott and fought to keep it in the show. So you would not have been able to sing that had it been cut half a century ago. Thank you, Janice Page. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we talk about the fact that this show is 50 years old, it is remarkable that one of the two authors, Richard Adler, is still around. Was Richard involved in the process much? Uh, Absolutely. He was at every audition. Uh, Maybe not my first one, but then he was at the second two auditions. Um, He is also, he was there through rehearsal. Uh, He would come by a lot. And then, of course, through the... um, Zitz Probe and all the things that the orchestra were involved in. And um, and then he comes to the show quite often, quite often. And does he give you feedback afterwards? Oh, sure. Sure. He's got <laughs> lots to say. <laughs> well, he is a talkative fellow. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he yeah. is. Well, just before this, now, a year ago this time, you were at Lincoln Center in the Light in the Piazza playing Clara Johnson, the daughter. And here you are a year later as a very different person. How did you see the role of Clara? Clara was very difficult for me. Um... I don't think we're talking about these strong women. I don't know if a lot of people know that I originally played the sister-in-law, Franca Nacarelli, in uh, The Light in the Piazza in the other versions of it. I I came to Clara quite late. Um, I had already developed 
a family with the, this group of people, Victoria Clark. Um, and so it was an, that was an easy transition. The hard transition was to put my mind around playing this. You know, it's easy to play someone with a love problem or a, a problem with anything that you've dealt with in your life. You can you can think about and pull from. One thing that's very hard is to play someone with a handicap, especially someone with a handicap that is not uh, heard of. This is a this is a girl who was. Uh, kicked in the head at a young age. Her growth wasn't really stunted, we decided. It was slowed. And so I was I was acting somewhere in the range of, of 10 years old to 26 years old. So in any given moment, I kind of had to choose how she would react to a certain situation. So in playing Clara, I, I had to develop a real person. I couldn't just depend on my own emotions. I had to. I had to learn another person's emotions for different things. So I. It was a difficult but very challenging and rewarding thing to play. And it must have been difficult not to overdo it, not to make it too broad. Let's say. I think the easiest thing to do would have been to do it, overdo it. And, and during previews, we we went to a place that it was. That I think it was overdone just to try, just to see what worked better. Um, it. I don't know. It was forever changing kind of character. To the day I left, which was nine months after we opened, um, I, or almost nine months, I was still knowing things about her, learning things. Uh, so that was what was wonderful, but it was also very challenging. But you made a fascinating transition in that you had been playing another character in the show, you said, in, in other incarnations, going back to its developmental work at Sundance. That's right. Mm-hmm. What was the circumstance that had you change the, the, in which there was the change, the role you were playing, and, and that shift for you because the characters are extremely different characters. They are extremely different, and one might look at this and say, oh, it wasn't, there's no decision to be made. Of course you play Clara over Franca, but that's not how I felt, to be honest. Uh, I loved playing Franca because Franca is like Babe, and I wanted to play someone with a lot of spunk and, and uh, strength. And although she had a lot of vulnerability as well, so when they came to me, and I think I think I worked out as Franca, but I, although I it was a physical challenge, I wore a wig and, and I don't look very Italian, <laughs> unless you're in Northern Italy, and I can that'll be fine. Um, but I think that once they came to me and we talked about the role of Clara, uh, I realized that that everything would change. My view of the show would change as I was on stage, as I heard the music, as I saw, um, as I saw the story unfold, uh, I would be, I would be this, this other person, this, uh, the center of it kind of, uh, of, of Vic, Vicky's life, the woman who played Margaret Johnson. So I think there were so many things. And in the first few times we did it, the first couple of times in rehearsal, I'd find myself wanting to go over there and be Franca, you know, that went away very quickly. I never thought about it again. But uh, the changeover was very difficult for many, many reasons, personal and professional, uh, but then became very rewarding. And uh, I think for everyone, uh, became a good situation, hopefully. Well, we've talked on other episodes of this program that the decision was made, Celia Keenan-Bolger was playing the part. And the decision was largely because they felt that she didn't simply seem old enough, even though she is the right age, but that part of the problem was that she read as younger than she needed to read. That's very good to point out. Uh, you know, the thing... The, it, it, the, wasn't, it wasn't a case of an untalented performer oh, they needed to replace her. And I think we her. all know that. Right. I mean, I think that that is an obvious thing. Uh, there, here she is. She's been nominated for a Tony in the same year uh, for The Spelling Bee. Um, eh, 
25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, I guess <laughs> is what it's. She's wonderful. Uh, and, and also a very dear friend. And this was very hard. What it came down to was this is a 26-year-old woman with a mind of someone younger. Uh, a 26-year-old woman who is sexual and um, and and able to to have a relationship with a with a man, um, also in his 20s. One of the problems we had with, with uh, one of the problems I suppose they did they had was that Celia read to be more in her teens, and so therefore uh, you didn't trust the relationship. You didn't trust the the ability for the relationship, uh, and I think that might be it. But I I don't want to speculate because I never had any involvement in any of that. But what's interesting is in taking over that role, and when we've talked to people, even people who've been cast replacements or gone into revivals of shows and seen their predecessor, you'd actually been watching this performance for that, a while. So, so you also had to find your own way with a with a role that you'd seen done quite a number of times. Well, the the hardest part I think was that we were a very close knit group of people, and I knew that the role wasn't ever mine. Uh, people thought when we first arrived in Sundance, they thought, oh, you're playing Claire. I said, no, I'm playing Franca. I, I, from from the get-go, I thought I was too old, to be honest, because I saw Clara as Celia. For, for months into my rehearsal process as Clara, I called this person Celia. I couldn't get it out of my head. Victoria Clark and I had problems getting it out of our heads. And every time I heard the music, I heard Celia's voice. Every time I heard a line, I heard Celia's voice. This is getting kind of personal, but this was a struggle for me to take those lines and say them out of my mouth and not hear her inflections because I believed in them. I believed in Celia's portrayal of this of this character. That was very hard. It was doubly hard for me to believe in myself. I, I'm not trying to. I don't want anybody to feel anything for me. I'm just saying that I that that transition. When I say personally was difficult, that was more difficult than anything professionally. Uh, was to was to get the personal part of that. Out of so it. we'll jump to say it worked because you did I, make the role your own. I hope that that's the the consensus after it's all said and done. Well. If it was difficult for you and for Vicki Clark to get beyond the idea of it being Celia, being Franca, whoever, what about the creative people, the producers, the directors, um, people like that who had to make the decision to cast you then as Clara? Mm -hmm. How did they come to see you in that role? In other words, they had seen you all along as Franca, a very different, very different sort of a person. How did they then make that decision, do you think? Well, I'm not sure that it wasn't a decision that it was being made along the way. I, I don't know that I wasn't hip to this. I didn't uh -huh. know about it. I, uh, I, Like I said, I really was in love with the show as it was in the Goodman Theater in Chicago. I was playing Franca. Celia was playing Clara. Um, I can talk about this until I'm blue in the face, and it's, uh, it's very, very deep in my heart. Uh, so I don't know what their process was. However, uh, I do know that it was very hard for everyone involved, uh, because on a personal level, that's the way we all felt. But I, I feel like... Um, I feel like they decided towards within the rehearsal process that it was the right decision, and sometimes these things have to happen, and uh, and we all did the best we could with our show, and um, and then you know Celia of course will go on to be wonderfully successful as she has, and so we're hoping that that is okay, but it never really uh, heals the wound, does it? Well, you certainly here in New York at Lincoln Center where a standout is Clara, and. Uh you had some very good songs in the show. Adam Gettle's music, some beautiful music. And he won the Tony for his best score in a, in a, in a musical. Uh, why don't we play one of the songs from Light in the Piazza and you, you pick out 
one that you'd like us to play? There's a couple that, that your character sang. Okay. Uh, well, why don't we sing The Light in the Piazza? It's the title song. I'm very proud of that recording. Uh, I'm, I'm more proud probably than anything in my life of this recording. I'm very proud to be a part of this music. And for those who did not see the show, how did the song work? Is it toward the beginning of the second act? This is when she finally tries to speak up for herself for the first time. Clara, your character. My character is speaking to my mother, played by Victoria Clark. Uh, She has taken me from my new love, and this is my only way to to plead with her that I think I deserve to have love. From the light in the piazza, as Clara, that, of course, Kelly O'Hara. Kelly, you know, you were saying before about playing strong women. In a sense, Clara was a very strong young woman. She may not have been uh, altogether as as developed mentally as, as people would have liked, but she certainly had her mind made up she was going to be with Fabrizio in spite of what anybody else thought. Absolutely. She was very, very strong-willed. We tried to show her in a light that, that said she could grow, that she was still growing. And, um, and I think that she couldn't always understand or put, put into words what her head was, what she was feeling in her head, but she had so many thoughts and feelings and emotions in her head all the time. There's something I wanted to ask you about, an incident that happened. Uh, I, I saw the show a couple of times, and this was right after Aaron Lazara had taken over as Fabrizio. And um, uh, it was toward the end of the first act. At the end of the first act, the mother... Victoria Clark playing uh, Margaret Johnson has taken Clara back to the hotel and has put her to bed. She's going downstairs to the hotel bar. And now Fabrizio comes into the hotel room and starts getting amorous with, with Clara. And in the middle of that scene, a woman in the rear of the audience yelled out, help, help, I need a doctor. And Aaron stopped the show right then and there. He turned to the audience and said, this is not part of the show. We need a doctor, house lights and all that. And you and he were just left totally vulnerable on stage. The stage manager hustled you off. What does that do to a performer when in the middle of a climatic scene, it was the end of the first act, suddenly there's an emergency? I, I should also point out that the woman had, had passed out. She was okay, but nobody knew that at the time. The assumption was, oh, my God, the woman's dying. She had a heart attack, whatever. Nobody knew. You certainly didn't know. What does that do to a person who's performing? Well, I will say that regardless of what you're playing at the time, your emotions are at a heightened state. Uh, you're so, your adrenaline is so rushing at the moment of, of performing, especially in that moment uh, on stage at the end of that second act. It was a kind of a climax of the show. Um, when I looked up, I saw the woman. I remember it. And she was so, she was an elderly woman, and her mm-hmm. eyes were closed. And I thought she was, had passed. That's I, what everybody thought, and, yeah. and she was very pale. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll never forget the rush of emotions. I, I, I mean, tears just poured out of my eyes and and Aaron stepped Aaron who played Fabrizio stepped completely out of character is there a doctor in the house with his with his American accent uh, and at that moment who, who cares about our show um, when we realized that that this was going to be fine that everything she was not in fact hadn't in fact passed away um, that I, I will just say it it was ruined. <laughs> I mean, you can't because because at that moment we're doing something that is so wonderful in life to be entertainers, to be able to take you to another world. But reality, we got a reality check. It's set in. We were there. Mm-hmm. And at that moment to go back into the world of these people was very difficult. Very. So Victoria Clark, who plays Margaret, came back with a little lighthearted something to make the audience laugh and, and be more engaged to go into the show again. But at that point... Here, Aaron has stepped out of his Italian accent. He's become a person who's dealing with a problem. Um, 
We we had a very difficult time getting back into the show. Well, you you were hustled, I presume, into the dressing room. It was about a twenty minute delay in the show while the EMTs came and all that. And the woman was fine. She as she left, she was about eighty, I, I was told. As she left, she said, "I'm so sorry." And a, and a fellow in the audience yelled out, "God bless you, good luck." And the daughter, who was I'm guessing about fifty, she said, oh, "We're so sorry to spoil your show. Enjoy the rest of it." And then the show picked up from Vicky coming back to the line that she used, which was classic. I called her the next day to get the exact line. It was. The line, um, it's nights like this for which hotel bars were specifically invented, something to that effect. The audience cracked up, gave her which a Which was just a natural line in the show. It was the it, line, It fits yeah. so well. We yeah. decided she made the choice to go back to that part. Um, we just had to wait it out. Uh, you know, that's the challenge of what we do. We, we went back and we had to get back into the show for the rest of it so that you could enjoy your show. So how did you get mentally back into it? Um, uh, I, I remember just knowing that she was okay uh-huh. and having my intermission, uh, calming down trying to put it away, and then starting back at the top of the second act as if it were no other, any other night. It's part of showbiz, I guess. Absolutely. And with that particular show, you hear that music and you're in that world. Yeah. yeah. Before we move on to talk about some of your other shows, I just wanted to ask, certainly Piazza was not a conventional musical comedy. It was an unusual entry in the Broadway scene. And I'm just wondering what the experience was for you, for the rest of the company, as the awareness and understanding of what that show was and ultimately leading up to it being the winner of the most Tonys of any show last season. Oh, um, the sense of pride that I felt at that point was so amazing. Um, You work... I've not been here that long, not as long as some people, but we all work hard. We all work very hard. I've been here about seven years now, and and I've done some things that, that weren't my favorite things to do, and I've I've had times when I worried about where I'd get the next, jo- next job, and, and, and that was a moment, not that I felt like anything was going to be better for the rest of my life, but at that moment, I knew I, w- I had something special, and that I may never have something like that again, and I can po- probably say I never will. Um, the amount of pride I felt was just overwhelming, and I was just so thankful to be a part of such a thing. And that came on the heels of your having had the opportunity to create roles immediately prior in prior seasons in two other new musicals, which is, as you say, for somebody who's only been in in town for a total of seven years now, to be in the number of high-profile new musicals you've been in is, is pretty remarkable. Can you talk a little about Sweet Smell of Success, which ultimately was a challenging show, again, in different ways? And, and being a part of the creation of that piece. You know, I look back on that. It's it's so interesting when you look back on things. Um, I look back and wish that I, if I had known, if I had known something of what I know now, then things may have been very different for me. At least for the way I felt when I left it, when I depart, when we all departed. If I had been a, a stronger uh, actor and a stronger person, I feel like I would have uh, made some more different decisions in that show. By no means do I, I'm not laying the blame on myself or anyone. It's just that, that we were in a place, I was in a place of awe at the time. It was my first, it wasn't my first, it was my third Broadway show, but it was my first um, big role. And, and was my first role to originate. And I had decisions to make. That's our responsibility as well, actors. What do you mean by decisions? Well, I, if I knew more about what I wanted to play and actually was given the opportunity to, to allow myself to think for, you know, to think for myself, 
I'm not saying the thing is, is even if you're not allowed to, you do. You should. You should say, no, I don't want this song to be cut because it's integral to my part. No, I don't want um, I don't want to carry out uh, this character in such a way because I believe this about this character and I'm bringing this to the table and that's why I've been hired. I feel like I. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't do that because I was too afraid, and I was young, and I wanted to be right, and I wanted to make everyone happy, and um, and we all we all had decisions to make during that show, um, but we there were there were lots of people making decisions, and so we kind of tried to to um to be the nice one and 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 lay back and just do what we were told, and then ultimately that's not that's not what uh, what was the best thing. So how did that impact a little bit later, Dracula? Or, for that matter, light in the piazza. Well, um, everything is different. Every piece is, uh, piece of work you do is different. Dracula was very different because I I had the ability to be the second the second girl, the the fun girl, the the one that didn't have to carry any load on her shoulders. Really, um, uh, I had a lot of fun actually, just just kind of doing my fun songs and and <laughs> and things like that. I did some things, you know, that that. I won't do it again, but in Dracula. But uh, I had a good time with all the, the great people. And then um, and then in The Light in the Piazza, um, I did fight for what I thought was right. And most of the time, it's what Bart Shear, who's the director, um, he was great to work with. He was wonderful to work with because if he had an idea, he made it sound like it was my idea somehow. And if I had an idea, he listened and he let me try it. And sometimes it would be great and then I would feel wonderful. Sometimes it wouldn't work and then I'd learn something. So um, that was a wonderful uh, next step to to learning about my own abilities as, as, as a decision maker, as an actress. Um, so I learned so much on Piazza. What, all of these these four different shows. Now you had come from Oklahoma about seven years ago. What what have you learned about theater in general over these these four or five shows you've been in in New York? Um, I've learned that you really do have to come to the table with what it is that you do, what it is that you do best. Every single thing, you know. I think when you get here, you think I can fit into that part. I can become. I can do that part. The reason why why you're hired is because you will bring you to that part, and each part has been different. Um, uh, and I and I and I work with wonderful directors, Des McEnough and Bartlett Shear, and um, and of course Kathleen and and Nick Heitner and no Nicholas, slouch. Nicholas Heitner, no, no slouch at all. I'm I'm a huge fan of Nick Heitner, um, and and what you do is you you accept them to be the people that have the vision for the show, but you also accept them to be human so that we're a team. I'm going to come and I'm going to offer you something you can work with and they're going to give me something to work with and we're going to create something that is powerful because we all put our heart into it. And I think that took me a little bit of time to learn that um, that I had something to offer. So now as I go into theater, um, I, I want it to be a match. I want it to be something that I feel very strongly about when I do it. Well, of the different women that you've played, these different shows, Dracula, Sweet Smell Success, Light in the Piazza, Pajama Game, which one is of the characters is most like Kelly O'Hara, the real person? Well, I have to say that I feel the most at home with Babe Williams. Uh-huh. But maybe that's because I am where I am right now. Um, I think that... Uh, the sadness portrayed in some of these other roles has made me feel a little bit unlike myself, but it doesn't mean that 
uh, I didn't have something in common with each of them, and they didn't uh, have a great. Part. There were so many things about Clara, a Southerner. The the women, the the way the person that Margaret is, the mother, played by Victoria Clark. Those are the women in my family. I'm Southern, and so I felt very much in tune with that. Sweet smell of success. Uh, the, the age of this girl. The I was about the same age when I played it, uh, just a couple of years older. Um, you know, going into life, falling in love, wanting it to work. I had so many things in common with her. But I think right now I'm feeling like I'm I'm right at home. Well, this show you're in currently right now, right at home, is Babe Williams in the Pajama Game runs through the middle of June. After that, then what? That is to be seen. I, I'm, uh, I know for, for a fact that I'm taking a vacation with my family, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I haven't done in, um, in uh, six years, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> and, um, and, and spending a little time with my new fiancé and planning a wedding, and hopefully some wonderful new professional things will, will pop their heads. Anything in particular you'd like to do? Um, Not specifically a particular show, but a certain type of a character, musicals, straight dramatic? Um, I would love to do some straight theater. I would. And I'd also love to continue on uh, with my music in a, in a, a way that is separate from musical theater, uh, recording and, and uh, uh, concert work and uh, things like that. So just trying to branch out. Opera? Uh, absolutely. Anytime. Well, that's a, the question I wanted to ask before we closed. We, your, your earliest training was opera, and is that something that you're looking to pursue, or do you feel you've really found that this is the more natural place for you in, in musical theater? I don't think this is the more natural place for me. I have definitely used my voice in, in about a million different ways, I feel, uh, than what is the real voice. Uh, the closest I think I got really was uh, My Life with Albertine by Ricky and Gordon to singing uh, operatically. Now, Adam Gettle is also very much, I, those are the reasons I love to sing their music. Uh, I feel like I can stretch to that place where I originally uh, developed. Um, I would love the chance at doing an opera. I would love it. Um, I just haven't I've been gone from it for so long, and right now I'm belting, and I feel I feel like our muscles are just, they are where you put them, and right now I'm, I'm doing a lot of that, and so I love the opportunity. I would love the opportunity to get back in shape and, and do some very uh, legit work. You had a pretty good photo shoot just recently. When, when is that coming out? It's in one of the big magazines. Which, which Vogue. One is? Vogue. It yeah. will be the June issue coming out in late in May. Um, it, it was a, a lot of fun. I had uh, for opening night of of the, the pajama game. I threw my gift was to throw a picnic on that following sa- Saturday, uh, reminiscent of the show. And I, my my parents came up. We did a big cook. Uh, we did uh, brisket and all sorts of things southern. And we threw a big picnic. So Vogue did a story on it, and mm. I cooked again. And we had like a small version of that picnic. You threw the picnic between the matinee and the evening performance. That's right. Where, where was the picnic? Uh, the real one was real upstairs one. In, in the theater. We have a wonderful big uh, room up there. And so we decorated it up, and everybody came up to eat. Well, have a great vacation after Pajama Game, <laughs> and we'll you. look forward to seeing you again on Broadway in your next venture, whatever that may be. Thank you. Kelly O'Hara, thanks for so much for being with us today on Downstage Center. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Kelly. For the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman, reminding our listeners that these programs and all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free, from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM Satellite Radio, I'm John Von Susten for Downstage Center. That is a wrap, and thank you.